So when I was younger and needed to get away from either family tensions at home or something was going on that I was ticked off about, getting on my bike and just taking off was so freeing. And it was, and it still is, when I'm in turmoil about something, and maybe you also experience this as a writer as well, when I'm really trying to figure something out, getting on a bike is so freeing and things things seem to get calmer and make more sense when I'm on a bicycle. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 21 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. On today's show, I chat with Julie Brooks, creatrix of the Pedal by Pedal zine about women over 40 who ride bicycles. We'll chat about the inspiration for the book, Going the Distance, Seasonally, and Milkshakes. As per usual, all the links to anything we discuss will be in the show notes, which you can find at girleatsbike forward slash joyride021. Or, as technology would have it, you could probably just tap on the album art for this show on your mobile device and the notes will pop up. If I did everything right anyway, they, they will. And you're going to want notes for this one. I'm not going to lie. The show is like an Ellie Blue love fest. If you're new to the Joyride, you can check out Ellie's episode on number six. And again, it'll be linked up. Anyway, Ellie's work is close to my heart in so many ways. And I want to make sure that if you're listening to this on or around the release date, Ellie's latest project, Biketopia, which includes a dozen writers take on utopia, dystopia, and all the gray area in between. Um, that book, Biketopia, is currently up on Kickstarter. It has been fully funded, so books are definitely going to be on the way. You still have like 10 days or so to get in as a backer, so you should do that. Also, on today's show, you're going to hear Julie and I talk about a piece in the Pedal by Pedal zine, which was written by a woman named Taz Lumens, and that's about her experience as a woman of color on the bike. And I want to elaborate on something that I hint towards during our conversation, which is this. If you're recently waking up to how entrenched and totally effed up institutionalized biases and systemic racism are, well, awesome. Welcome to the woke side. Things are going to be pretty uncomfortable for a minute because you never realized how awful they were before. But in order to affect change, you have to take responsibility for how you move through the world and how it impacts the people around you. Me, for example, I want to take responsibility for the media that I create as part of this community. One small way that I can do that is to take a moment to read an excerpt from Taz's piece. It's called Biking While Being a Woman of Color. Biking has always been a subversive act for me. When I first began to bike commute, I lived in Phoenix, where biking or walking for transportation are next to unheard of. I was also part of an immigrant family that fought hard to overcome poverty. Using a bicycle for transportation when I could afford a car was seen as antithetical to my family's struggles, but I insisted on biking because, to me, it was a symbol of independence and a way to foster environmental responsibility. When I moved to Portland, an American haven for cyclists, I wondered if biking was still a subversive act. The first summer I was in Portland, I participated in a number of pedal palooza rides, a month-long celebration of biking through what is known as bike fun, that's in quotes, bike fun events. I often found myself falling far behind the other riders at events, but that didn't stop me. I also felt confounded by the dressing up component that was part of so many of the rides. Dressing up didn't really appeal to me, and I just wanted to have fun and be around fun people on bikes. I was also almost always the only person of color on the rides I attended. At first, this didn't bother me because I was just so hungry to be around other passionate bicyclists. Okay, so I'm actually going to stop there. Um, I really would like to read this whole thing, but I also um, am in this weird tension of trying to make sure that I'm amplifying voices and not co-opting them. Um, I, I don't know. Responsibility is hard and weird and trying to understand it. So... Hopefully, um, I've invited Taz to be a guest on the show. Hopefully, she'll uh, join us at some point and we can have a chat and hear more from her, her own voice and her own words. Um, those were her words, but you know what I'm saying. 
Um, anyway, in this piece, she does go on to examine uh, this budding disillusionment that she's starting to feel with some critical thinking. And the result is a provocative assessment that should be more than enough for self-proclaimed progressive bikelandians to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Make sure to grab a copy of Pedal by Pedal. Again, we are going to link all of that up in the show notes so you can get it right from Microcosm. All right, what do you say? Let's do this. Without further ado, let's meet Julie Brooks. Julie Brooks, welcome to the Joyride. Well, thank you for having me, Kat. This is awesome. Dude, I'm so excited to talk to you. I've got in my hands Pedal by Pedal, which is a zine that you produced about women over 40 who ride bicycles. So not a, I'm approaching, quickly approaching this uh, particular gap. So it's kind of interesting to sort of look at the other side of, of that horizon and see what's over there. Um, tell me a little bit about the inspiration for this. Um, well, it was um, many years in coming, actually. Um, I, uh, I, f- I found myself get really excited. I'll start by, by shouting out to Ellie Blue, actually. I loved her zines. And that got me um, just excited about zines in general um, and bicycling and women, women and bicycling. Um, and... Uh, I think what happened with how this um, sort of came about was I was reading lots of great stories about young women who are getting into cycling and the whole women bikes movement has um, really been taking off in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, And I went on some trips with older women, um, specifically through, um, woman-owned company, uh, Woman Tours, which is based right here in Rochester. Yay, Woman Tours. Um, And also just bicycling with older women who were doing just these amazing rides. And, you know, and I'm talking about women who, not just over 40, but in their 60s, 70s, and 80s um, on these tours. And, um, And they were telling some wonderful stories. One, some of them have been riding all of their lives, but so many of them picked up a bicycle or got on a bicycle, didn't, I guess they picked it up, but then also got on it. Um, oftentimes after they raised kids or much later in life. And I, I wasn't seeing their stories. Um, I wasn't seeing their stories out there. I mean, there are some really wonderful older women like Georgina Terry, um, who is older and has been for a long time. People have heard her story. Um, but I guess I wanted to find space um, to bring these women's stories together. And the zine seemed like um, just the perfect way to do that. So, uh, yeah, that's how it came out. So um, I noticed that you, you've you edited and compiled this book, uh, the zine here, but I noticed you don't have a byline in here other than your other than your creation. Is that, I mean, did I misread that? Am I, did I miss one from you in here, Julie? No, you did not miss one in there. Um, It felt important to me to have this just be about these women's stories and um, not mine. And I think in the future I'll, I'll write something and maybe put it in there. Um, I'm hoping that this zine will continue, will continue growing and, um, and getting out there. But this time around, it felt important. Um, for me to just sort of be in the background uh, and and put their stories out there. Did you find any themes that came up that surprised you while you were reading submissions for for Pedal by Pedal? Um, yeah, I, I think um, that's such a great question. Um, I think there were a couple of themes that came out, and there'll be maybe themes. Um, in the future, like we'll have a zine or two that have specific um, themes. Um, the one that was just most compelling, even when I was hearing people's stories, was um, women getting on bikes much later in life, um, and what um, 
and and I mean for the first time, or you know, they may have ridden a bike when they were kids, um, but it wasn't until later after their own kids left, or for those who um, didn't have kids, uh, maybe it was the end of a relationship, or it was just sort of time to find something else they wanted to do um, athletically. There were some women who. Um, and I could relate to this, who had been runners for a very long time and um, needed to do something different. So, you know, they were like, well, I know some of my friends who ride bicycles and that doesn't seem to be as hard on the knees. Um, but the theme, I think if I, I'm not sure if I'm really answering your question, but the one that was most compelling um, to, or one that's been most compelling, and I'd love to do a whole theme on just hey, I got back on the bike after 40 for specific reasons. Like, um, yeah, uh, f and what was that specific reason? What was that? Um, so I'd love, I'd love to compile a whole zine of just those stories. Uh, I think one other theme that was really compelling to me was um, I think um, older women, Older women um, finding it difficult to get into the bike scene in their respective towns um, or communities. And as much as I think women in cycling has been changing so much for the better, and we're seeing so many more women on bicycles, um, there's, still, there's still some tension around it being a male-dominated activity. Um, and I think... And many of us have all, all, are already aware of, of this piece of it, um, the intimidation factor of walking into a bike shop and, um, you know, knowing that they want a bike, uh, a, wom a woman really wants a bike but doesn't know yet what questions to ask and really just needs someone um, to stand with them and ask questions of them and kind of process through it. I think that was a sort of another theme is the intimidation factor of what it what it takes to get on a bicycle, um, to get a bike and then get on the bicycle and go. You know, that that's interesting because it's definitely a theme. I mean, we've talked about it. I've talked about it on this show with guests, certainly, gosh, almost almost every show now. Um, yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that it's a theme in general, but I guess I've never thought about the the intersection of that with age. You know, I've uh, come at it from from just the gendered point of view, mm -hmm. um, but not even adding in that other factor of and the ageism attached to it. Yeah, and I, I think I've experienced some women um, who, some older women who wanted to go in and wanted a, a bicycle to ride on the road because they might have friends who rode ride and being sort of um, helped to the section that was for hybrid or beach bikes. And not that there's anything wrong with those at all. They're awesome. Um, but I've, I, it, it's sort of interesting, the assumption that's made when an older woman um, walks into a bike shop and what they want. They clearly are gonna want something. The assumption is that's really slow. And um, I don't know, I, that, that was another piece that seemed to come up for, for women who wanted to get into riding and wanted to get into riding, like doing longer rides or doing tours, you know, didn't want to just be limited to, I'm going to ride to the library that happens to be 600 feet down the road. Um, or, um, I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> No, I, I, I hear I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, though. Um, like, was there any critical thinking that was applied? Was there any discussion applied to what, where where do you see yourself going on this, you know, on this bicycle that you're shopping for? Or am I just guiding you over because you must want an upright step-through cruiser right. based on age and gender? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is, that's interesting. It's interesting to think about it from that point of view. Did you have, um, you have any of the stories in here that are, um, any of them that you love like a little baby? Are there any of these? I mean, I'm sure there's what probably about a dozen stories in here. So 
maybe 10. And um, are there any of them that when you look back, um, and maybe this isn't an appropriate question and we'll cut it anyway, but are there any of them that you look back and you kind of say, gosh, yeah, I really, this one really spoke to me. Oh, well, I um, I, I love, um, uh, I love the one to find a bra to bike in. Um, uh, uh, by Ms. Fast. Um, uh, I, I, I just loved her, her process of, of, um, you know, talking about how to find the perfect bra and how she, you know, got on Twitter, um, to, to, uh, I think it's a, um, I think it was, um, bike Twitter, her bike Twitter sisters. Um, and what a great medium to, you know, ask just a really super simple question. Um, so I loved that one. I, I really, I really also loved um, Taz Lumen's um, uh, biking while uh, being a woman of color. Um, and uh, though I am not a woman of color, um, I loved that she um, gave voice to a, an issue, a social justice issue, um, and something that uh, I think being um, a woman trying to uh, advocating for and trying to get more women out on bicycles in my own community. That was really great to, to have her essay come through and have to sit back in my chair and go, oh, am I one of the people in uh, a white community that isn't really paying attention to um, the needs, desires of, um, of women of color. Um, so those were two, and yet it's really hard to say that because um, I, I think they're all really very cool and they, they all add to um, sort of a, what I think is great is they all help present this broader perspective um, for a first issue uh, of you know, different voices. Um, and different experiences. I love the poetry in here as well. Um, a couple of women um, wrote a, a couple pieces that are, are, you know, more poetic. Um, and uh, yeah. It's funny that you brought up those two because I think that those are the two that stood out to me most also. Um, the bike Twitter thing is kind of funny, but it's interesting, these little niches of social media and community. Um, so that's something that's just, it's just kind of interesting as I explore it myself personally. And yeah, Taz, um, her piece definitely stood out to me as well. And I think it is, um, we're at a particular point in time where I think everybody needs to kind of sit back and see, you know, where they are and how we contribute to different systems, whether we realize it or not. Um, and so I think that that is, uh, really poignant, poignant now more than ever, in fact. So this book is still available. Folks can still get a copy of the zine, right? Uh, you know, so here's the thing. They, um, uh, they can still get a copy of the zine through um, Microcosm Publishing now. Um, I am completely out of the zines. <laughs> um, and we, um, I, I uh, had um, an anonymous donor who gave me a really nice pot of money um, to produce uh, and mail out up to 200 of these. And so I did that, those are all gone, and um, Ellie is selling them now at Microcosm Publishing. Um, so they can, they can go to her website and, and get a copy. Um, otherwise, everybody will have to wait for volume number two to come out. Uh, and it is by special thanks to this anonymous donor, because that is actually how I have my uh, hands on one of these copies right now through Wheel Women Switchboard. If we've got any listeners who are not familiar with Wheel Women Switchboard, make sure you go to the show notes for this and we'll link it up because it's a great way to really connect even deeper with community. I know we all have the social networking stuff, which is a different beast, um, but this is like definitely much more direct um, way to connect, which is how you and I connected and how I have a copy of this book. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm also going to link up the uh, page for Microcosm so that folks could, so that folks can check this out. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Also, hey, Kat, if I could also say, as my head is, is spinning, and um, if I could also say one other thing about um, how 
how pedal by pedal um, came about. Uh, another piece for me was um, the writing piece and hearing women's really wonderful, compelling, um, inspiring, harrowing stories about um, cycling after 40 or over 40. Um, and then wanting to be a place where um, wanting to provide an opportunity for women to share those stories. And I, I'm, I'm a writer and that's sort of what I do is writing. Um, and so I wanted the zine also to attract women who wanted to write their stories and maybe haven't done a lot of writing in their lives. Um, so there was another piece of this project, um, and I want to thank the amazing women that helped um, review all of the all of the essays that came through. Some of the writers that that contributed had had um, other things published in the past and have been writing for a very long time. And there were several women who this was the first time they put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard um, and typed out or wrote out their story. And then they were willing to um, get some feedback, and um, we were really excited, all of us who were reading these essays, to, um, to, to work with them, to help them you know, clarify their stories so that we could put it in print and share it with everyone else. So I do want to say that that was part of um, the motivation for putting this together as well. That's, that's awesome. Uh, as someone who is a writer and who is... Uh sort of always looking for different means of creative expression uh, and helping to facilitate that for those around me. Uh, that's an excellent, an excellent other piece of the puzzle here for you as to why this was, a, you know, a passion project. Because these are not things that just, uh, these are not just things that make themselves. These are, it's not just like you're going to, you know, just shoot out like a Facebook post real quick that maybe you look at twice before you hit publish. This is like a whole thing that you really have to organize um, much more so than digital. I think maybe we uh, forget sometimes at some point you have to stop editing and actually ship something. And that's what this, um, you know, you you can't revise it once you've got like 200 of these stapled up and, and on the way out the door. Right, right. And one thing I'll say about that is, um, so I realized yesterday I was um, reading through Pedal by Pedal again, um, just so that it was all fresh uh, for talking with you today. And I realized that... So prepared, Julie. Oh, you know. Oh, you're going to get a gold star. Okay. Well, thanks. Um, uh, so as I was doing that, I realized that my copy was missing a page. Um, and so... What I also, what I realized too, that what I realized was that the last grouping of zines that went out, I think many of them might be missing a page, which is horrifying um, on one hand. And on the other hand, I'd just like to suggest to people that if you contact me, I will send you the, what, what that means by missing a page is it affected a couple of the wonderful essays that are in here. And um, I really feel badly about that. So if people want to contact me, um, at my email address, they can certainly do that. And I'll um, make sure they get the complete essay. Um, or I can talk to them about, you know, fixing the zine in some way. Um, so I'll definitely link up your email address. But, you know, here's another example. It's just such an act of bravery to put yourself out there like that and to risk things being imperfect. You know, I think we want things to be perfect before we can start, but um, sometimes you just got to start and and risk that there might be a mistake. So good, you know, good noticing and uh, you'll, you know, we'll have some things in place that if, if folks want to reach out, if they hear this and they notice that they want to reach out, they can get that extra copy. But right. yeah, um, unending bravery to ship. It's just that's just how it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So. You're in, so you were in upstate New York. Yes, Rochester. I spent many years in Albany, um, many more years than I care to admit. And uh, how how is it? Do you get to ride? Are you, you're under like lake effect snow? What what's what's life like out there for you right now? Life well today is interesting. It's um it's been snowy and the last couple of days have been so frigid cold. Um, and I know uh, from listening to you that you have been. Um, 
trying to ride every day. You're trying to be a year-round cyclist. Um, I, however, moved to Rochester about three and a half years ago from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, I'm giving myself permission to not be a year-round cyclist anymore. So I, I do, and I miss it, um, and yet the, the bitter cold is, um, is rough. Yeah. Um, on me and my hands. Um, I think that I, I don't remember who it was, but it was it was a recent person on your podcast who talked about, um, I think, battery-operated gloves. Uh, oh, yeah. And I thought, maybe I should try those. Um, but it's it's fantastic riding in, in Rochester. I love, what, one of the things I love about New York in general um, is that the shoulders are really wide. Um, so I love riding around this area, um, coming from, um, Pittsburgh where the bicycle infrastructure had changed significantly and is, and by the time I left, which was about three, three and a half years ago, um, the, the infrastructure in Pittsburgh was just impressive. And so Rochester is, um, not as far along. And at the same time, I, I I think that there's a lot happening here in Rochester, and it's a in the area the, the surrounding area, um, it's it's a great place to ride, and I um, I think people are getting used to seeing more um, cyclists on the road, even though we might not have this the infrastructure in place. Um, attitudes seem to be coming along, um, so that's a long-winded answer. Um, I, I ride, I think here, I, I'm pretty diligent about riding from April to um, Thanksgiving is often my, been my last ride. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, you know, and this is um, what I said on the last show, which is, which is just like, don't, if that, like, that's okay. Um, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Cause I think I've looked at it personally as like, if I'm not doing this 100% of the time, it's not valid. And that's obviously crap. So, you know, um, I think that that's important for us all to remember is that not to measure um, by anyone else's yardstick but your own. And, you know, honestly, cold hands are – cold hands and cold feet are rough. Like, they're – it's just the worst. You feel like you can never warm up um, if your hands are cold. At least that's the way that, that I am. Yes. Um, and I am going to put up the link again for those battery powered warming gloves that I have not tried, but I hear they're they're kind of t- nice and toasty. So um, so from April to November, what, what kind of riding do you like to do? What do you like to um, what's your, what's your story? What do you like to where do you like to go? So I am a, um, I'm a commuter and I um, I from April till yeah, November, um, I I'm pretty diligent about commuting around town by bike. I'm also, I also love road riding and doing long distance, um, uh, road rides. So I've got a phenomenal friend, Susie, um, with whom I ride here and, um, we are riding all over now. Granted, we usually, one thing we both love and prefer is being able to walk outside the front door, get on our bikes and go. And that is one thing I love about Rochester is I can go east, south or west um, fairly easily and get out of the city fairly quickly. Um, So, and again, the roads around here are pretty great with wide shoulders, relatively respectful car drivers. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's my preference. I, I do have a mountain bike and I get on it once or twice a year. <laughs> I sometimes fantasize about becoming a mountain bike, a uh, more serious mountain bike rider. Um, and my partner has suggested several times that I might want to sell that mountain bike since I own <laughs> And I just won't. I am not going to sell it. Um, because someday, someday I might become a mountain bike rider, but generally I I prefer riding on the roads. Um, we also have, uh, we also have the Erie Canal that runs right through Rochester and we've got this amazing, um, trail that runs, 
um, and is connected pretty much. I think there are some still some parts of it that are not complete from Buffalo to Albany, um, but it's it's mapped out. So there's this that wonderful um, resource here, and I don't ride that too often, um, but it's it it it's fun to have. So, you know, the Erie Canal Trail is something that I'm super, I'm super interested in. I've never been on it. I've heard a bunch of things about it. Um, so how much of that have you, because you've been on sections of it, so it sounds like you haven't yeah. done the whole ride, right? I have not done the whole ride, um, just sections of it, yeah. Is there any of that kind of like bike camping, touring stuff that interests you at all? Oh, it totally does. Um, yeah, I, I do love that. And I, I do, I have not done a lot of, um, of bike camping, uh, and I'd like to, I've done trips mainly with, um, uh, tour groups. And I admit, I, I have to admit, I do prefer when somebody else is carrying my stuff. <laughs> um, I know, I know. It's so like, it's so luxurious. It is really luxurious. And, um, and I love the idea of bike overnights or not just the idea. I've done some bike overnights and I do really love that doing, um, heavy duty touring is it, it's sort of like mountain biking. I have this fantasy that I'm <laughs> to do it. Um, and who knows I might, um, but right now, I guess, uh, right now, I, I'm getting more excited about somebody else carrying my stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I totally hear that. Yeah. I totally hear that. So when you say you like to go for long distances, what's that look like? One of the things I love about writing, doing full-time writing now, um, I used to teach, and the last couple of years have have not been teaching since we moved to Rochester. Um, I'm going to answer your question. I really will get there. <laughs> Um, I have so much faith in you. Thanks. Um, long distance rides, you know, anywhere from like 30 to 60 miles in a day. Um, I like getting out early in the morning. Well, not early in the morning, I guess, 830, 9 o'clock and just taking off. And um, I usually have uh, if I'm with if I'm by myself, I usually have a journal in my back pocket um, and I'll just let myself go and end up wherever I do because I can stop and ride or stop and write um, pretty much anywhere. Um, so yeah, that's probably what uh, a long distance ride looks like on a uh, in a day. Um, I also have a couple of puppies at home, so I can't go out for centuries. Though I'd love to do that. That would be great to do back and back to back centuries. Um, so I do need to get home, you know, in four to five hours and take care of them. <laughs> have you done a century? I have. I you have just said back to back centuries, which is like, I'm like shuddering on so many levels. Oh, oh my gosh. What a, what a thrill. Now. Okay. So, you know, all these things I fantasize about, um, back to back centuries. I have a brother-in-law that has done that. He, once he retired, he just was on the bike all the time. Um, I've not done back-to-back -back centuries. Actually, I did it. I did once, and it was fairly painful. Um, that was probably ten years. <laughs> it's like exactly what I would think somebody would say. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of painful, and yet, oh my gosh, the the mental high, you know, getting at the end um, and looking down at my little computer and uh, and seeing, you know, that it turned over a hundred is is really pretty fun. Um, uh, yeah, waking up the next morning is uh, and thinking about getting on a bike and riding another hundred is probably difficult. But again, I, I live in a very rich fantasy world, <laughs> so maybe someday. So where did you where did you learn how to ride a bike? Did that happen in childhood for you? So yeah, um, this is this makes some people really cringe when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, my mother says I came out of the womb on a bicycle. Um, my mom says that I was riding, I was coasting on a bike or um, pedaling before I um, walked confidently. So um, I, I don't remember a time that I didn't ride a bicycle. Um, yeah, I've I've just always been on something with pedals. 
that that's I'm grinning. Um, I did have a moment of 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 cringe just for like just a second. I'll admit it, but um, but it very quickly turned upside down. Um, so, do you have? Did you have family members, loved ones in your life who helped to influence you here? Like, certainly the bicycle did not just present itself um, as, as soon as you were out of the womb. Right. So someone must have helped to get you on it or be uh, an influence in that way. Yeah. So I think um, two things. First, my um, I had older cousins who um, a very, very generous grandfather. And I think at least the way my mom tells the story. So I'll be up front. I'm not sure if this is actually my memory or if it's my mother's telling the story so many times that it's become my memory. Um, I had older cousins that got these great gifts from grandpa and um, one year they got some bicycles and I, I don't think I threw a fit, but I probably, maybe I did throw a fit. I wanted a bicycle or a tricycle. They were tricycles. Um, And, um, so that's one, that was one thing evidently when I was about two and a half or three years old, um, which is when I, my parents got me my first tricycle. And then my dad, um, several years after that, my, my dad, um, was not, you know, he had a bicycle that he liked to ride around the neighborhood. Um, and that was the first two wheeler that, um, that I pedaled was his bicycle that was way too tall, (laughs) way too big for me. Um, so stopping and getting off was hard. Um, but it's the one that dad put me on and sort of held the bike while I sort of pedaled and coast and then, you know, rode down the driveway or yeah, down the driveway. Um, so that, those are the things I remember in terms of, you know, the bicycle ahead of time. Um, it was also, I think when I was, when I was younger and I think that this is probably true for a lot of people. So when I was younger and needed to get away, um, from either family tensions at home or something was going on that I was ticked off about getting on my bike and just taking off. Um, it was so freeing and it was, and it still is, um, when I'm in turmoil about something and, um, maybe you also experience this uh, as a writer as well. When I'm really trying to figure something out, getting on a bike is so freeing and things calmer and make more sense when I'm on a bicycle. So that's another association I have with the bike from an early age was it was a way to get away. What do you consider an every ride carry? When you go out for, you know, whether it's like into your neighborhood or 30 to 60 miles, what do you always have with you? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, and I, I, I'm prepared because I've been listening, and listening to you ask that question. Um, I, I never go without a patch kit and tubes. And it doesn't matter if I am riding over to um, Yellow House Bicycles, my local bike shop, um, and or Full Moon Vista is the other one I'll just have a shout out to that I love. Um, uh it, it doesn't matter if I'm doing a quick jaunt to the grocery store or going out for a really long ride. I always have a patch kit, a tube, and um, my my hand pump. Um, those are those are those are things I always have with me, and I feel um, it's almost like a helmet too. I mean, I do I do wear a helmet ninety percent of the time. And when I don't wear my helmet or I don't have the um, stuff I might need to change a tire, I feel kind of naked and unprepared. Like, like this is going to be the day that I'll get a flat tire. And uh, I just don't like being unprepared in that respect. So, so those are musts. I don't know if you've heard me ask the bike snack question before, but what do you like to what do you like to eat like pre or during or post ride? And I'm especially thinking about your your long distance rides. Like, do you have a go-to fuel or anything like that? 
You know, I do. And I have to thank my dear friend Susie for this. I used to think I could get away with gels and, you know, high tech snack bars. And I don't mean, I do not intend to bash them in any way, shape or form. Um, but they didn't work for me. So like my go-to snack is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, I usually make uh, a whole sandwich, put that in my back pocket um, and you know, I'll eat two halves when I'm out on a long ride. Um, yeah, that's usually it. And then a post ride. Oh yeah. Chocolate milkshake. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, especially by, um, August, by July and August, then I'm starting to feel like, yeah, I've got my metabolism up. I ride a lot. I can afford to eat a milkshake every day after a ride. <laughs> it's so funny um it's so funny because i have the last show that from the time that we're recording this today the last show that was published i mentioned that you know gosh i haven't been on the bike in a week because we got this crazy stupid snowstorm here mm -hmm. but i was still eating like i was yeah. on still riding my bike that much and uh i like feel it this is a week later now and I'm like actually feeling that still in my body. It's so weird how quickly metabolism, um, I guess it's different for everybody, but like it either like revs up or slows down uh, for, for different folks. It does feel that way. I, I hit winter and yeah, I, I feel the same way when I haven't been on the bike for a while and I start noticing, oh, I really shouldn't, or it doesn't feel good to be eating milkshakes every day. <laughs> <laughs> something's wrong with this yeah yeah do you do any do you do anything um off season to anything physical activity wise off season well i walk a ton so yeah. um i am not an anti-car person i i own a car i just don't use it much um that's another thing about living in rochester and having the schedule that i have i can walk everywhere fairly easily um so I do a lot of walking when there's um, great snow on the ground. I'll snowshoe and cross-country ski. Um, and then I also have my bike on a trainer. Um, although I have to admit, riding in the basement is just not the same, even with, I mean, it's not even close. And I try to... Um, I try to put videos on on a computer and you know try to convince myself that no really I'm in you know uh, Germany right now and it doesn't it doesn't really work much so in the off season I'm walking a lot or like I said snowshoeing cross country skiing um, and then when it's time to get back on the bike I usually um, I have to be patient with myself um, because. It, it takes a little while to get back in the feel of things on the saddle. I want to ask you um, if you have any advice for women, and just because of the because of the zine, we'll we'll qualify this a little bit. Um, any advice for for women over forty who are thinking about riding a bicycle for the first time? Maybe they've never even learned, or maybe they learned in childhood. Um, any thoughts or advice that you have for women? you know, over 40 who want to ride? I actually have two. Um, so the first one, I'll actually go back to one of your blog posts about, what? yeah, um, no. about bike camping. And I love the statement um, where you said, take as much space as you need, whether it's a lane or a campsite. Um, and I think I loved that. Um, in terms of uh, women taking space, um, take as much space as you need. And I'll, I'll, t I'll, I'll tie that into um, when you walk into a bike shop, um, not to feel it's easy to feel rushed or maybe pressured um, and to take as much space and as time as you need to get the information you're going to need. And if you're in a place where that's okay um go somewhere else if you can um that's one piece of advice and then the other one is so i used to do um women's rides in pittsburgh and um and trying to to do them here um and what i've heard a lot of women um 
one of the, I guess maybe this is a theme uh, that you were asking about a lot earlier. Um, the sort of fear of showing up to a bike ride and, um, and, and, you know, for the very first time, I would advise women to reach out to the ride coordinator or reach out to a bike shop and connect with just one other person. If you don't already know somebody who rides, to reach out to just one person or that ride leader and say, hey, I want to go out and ride and I'm not really very excited about going out with six other people. Is there a chance that you and I could go out um, just until I get comfortable? So I guess it's about asking for help and reaching out. Um, those, yeah, those would be the two. That's really, that's great advice. And that, that, um, second one there about like connecting with a person, uh, you know, even if you find a group that you're interested in, you know, showing up to a group is hard for some of us, especially if some of us are introverts. Um, you know, cycling can be this like intensely, it is this intensely personal act that you're doing, but when you're doing it in a group, it's like, we're all doing this weird solo thing together and it's awkward um but that's really great advice to like connect with a person a single person instead of just kind of throwing yourself out there into the abyss in that way so i like that thanks any advice that you have for someone who may be thinking about um sharing stories of their community in a zine format what if someone wants to start their first zine and they've never done it before you have any any takeaways on that? Um, well, <laughs> the big one would be, oh gosh, just do it. Um, I, I had this idea, talked with a friend about it years ago and kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off because um, honestly, I was really afraid um, that nobody would be interested because who knows who I am. Um, and uh, I, besides my friends who have been wonderfully supportive. Um, I, I would say, oh my gosh, just do it. If you have the idea, um, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, advice. I think in terms of the specifics, oh, I will say that, um, one thing that was incredibly helpful to me was, um, Joe Beal's, um, uh, how to make a zine or making a zine, um, was incredibly helpful to me. I, I'd never done it before. Um, and I've been, you know, ogling, um, the taking the lane zines over the years and several other zines that women have been putting out in the different, uh, different formats. But, um, gosh, my, my advice is do it. And, and I'll add to your plug on, um, wheel women's wheel women's switchboard. Um, put the question out there, to ask if you're looking for help or motivation or support, put something on there. Um, that was such a great place to start. Um, really blown away by how many people responded to the first post I put out. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's the advice I would share. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll link up Joe's. Um, I don't know if that if what you're talking about from Joe is a book or a post, but um, we'll find that resource and we'll link it up so that folks who want to uh, spread some kind of, you know, community love and, um, you know, get more stories out there so that they are have some more resources to do that. So we'll, we'll link up those things. And again, I can't speak about Wheel Women enough. In fact, when I launched the show, um, my first set of my first set of interviews were and guests were all, you know, folks that I connected with through Wheel Women. So um, big, big, big shout out to that. And I think Ellie, B Ellie Blue is the one that curated that too. So this is like, this is like an Ellie Blue love episode. Yes, it is. Yes. In a lot of ways. We're big fans. Um, all right, cool. So Julie, where, I know that you're a, uh, you're a writer, you're not like a blogger, which is cool. Cause there are lots of bike blogs out there. Um, any, if someone wanted to connect with you or follow you or something like that, where might be the best way for someone to do that? Um, just email. I, I, uh, I'm, I, I'm not a Luddite, but I guess something, <laughs> I guess I act like one in some, in some ways. Um, 
So connect it, we can connect through email. There really isn't uh, any other way to, to follow me, I guess. That's um, that's true. You know, I tried digging around for you on Instagram and I couldn't find you at all. It's like, is this Julie? Is this Julie? <laughs> Who are you? You're a person named Julie and you have a bicycle in your picture. Yes. Um, yeah. so, all right. Right on. Right on. So we'll we'll link up everything so that you can get a copy of Pedal by Pedal from Microcosm. And maybe in the future, you, you will sign up for Will Women Switchboard, dear listener, and you might even get to contribute to volume two of Pedal by Pedal. Yes, yes. That actually will be the place where I will post first. And then there are a couple of other places, um, but that'll be the place I post first if you're interested in submitting something. Um, That's the secret sauce. That is the secret sauce. Awesome. Um, Julie, I really, really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for putting together this great zine. Thank you. This was fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity to, to be another voice in this amazing community. High fives and big thanks to Julie Brooks. Don't forget to shoot her an email if you are missing a page from the zine, and definitely get hooked up with Real Women's Switchboard. It is a fantastic resource. On the next episode of The Joyride, I chat with the Arlie, formerly known as Bike Shop Girlies. See, see what I did there? Um, Arlie Jenkins. And for me personally, this conversation is some weird full circle magic. Anyway. I encourage you to follow the show on Instagram at the Joyride Podcast. Shoot me an email with your thoughts, your feelings, your hopes, and your dreams at thejoyridepodcast at gmail. Or if you would like to be a guest on the show or nominate a friend who you think would be a good fit for the show, please go to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest and introduce yourself. That's bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. And of course, I'd adore you forever if you took a moment to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Better yet, tap on your mobile device and share the show with just one friend who you think might enjoy it. Sharing is caring. As always, friends, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. Well, thank you for having me, Kat. This is awesome. No, you're awesome.